This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. This episode is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to operate better in today's world. Jordan's also got a fun weekly segment, Feedback Friday, where he covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or psycho family situations to relationships and networking to even just asking for a raise. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Dum Dums 2099, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into a futuristic world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Alan, trapped in the future, has joined forces with Declan and Honor System, and they've been told to break into a laboratory formerly owned by House Antebellum. But can they trust the power-hungry future Fiddlesworth? Will their plan to pose as regulators work out? And will Alan survive black market brain surgery in the back room of a bar? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons 2099. If you think that would be the best enhancement that we could get. I think it's the only thing that would actually surprise anybody we go up against. I am curious to know your potential. Okay, let's do it. Back to public chat. Here's the deal. I know you got some sweet black market stuff, so why don't we pay off this debt right immediately? We'll take the suits, and then you put one of those sweet psionic enhancers in our friend Alan here. Okay, 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 okay. All right, Freddy, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. That's what I was going to say. He's saying it subdermally, yeah, but you no, can all hear it like, <laughs> loud and clear. Freddie, you are broadcasting again. I know. So he walks over to you, Alan, and he says, pardon me, ma'am. Do you mind if I implant this? Mm, no. It needs to be enthusiastic consent for these kinds of procedures. Where is it going? The uh, <laughs> Right in your boob. <laughs> It will help focus your mind toward controlling the forces of science that we understand, which of course means it, it will have to, to go directly into your brain. Okay. Just please don't kill me. I promise you I won't kill you. Please, please don't kill her. One's out loud, one is not. So with that, he comes over, he looks you directly in the eye, nods to you. He puts one hand on your shoulder he reaches back with his mechanical hand, and you see his fingers reconfigure a bit. And with just kind of a slight grimace, he says, I am so sorry. And then he takes two mechanical fingers, and before you can react, jams them up your nose. <gasps> and you can feel like a pulse travel up through your nasal passage. And suddenly, there's just a blast of white light. You fall to your knees, and then in the worst, roughest sneeze you've ever had, like his fingers come <laughs> out of your nose... <laughs> With a bunch of snot and blood, he quickly holds his metal hand away and then pulls out a handkerchief and dabs at your face and then starts dragging one finger back and forth in front of your eyes, tracking them. You're able to track it. Mm -hmm. 
And he kind of looks to everyone and he's like, ta-da! There's a horrible moment in your head. There's no nerves in your brain, but you can feel the dull shift of things moving around. It's real unpleasant. And then all of a sudden, it's like going from not wearing glasses to wearing glasses. Everything sharpens. And suddenly, all of the difficulty you're having communing with magic is just gone. Oh, my goodness. Oh, testing the mindscape. Faster than you thought is possible. It springs up around you like <sighs> fucking Dr. Manhattan Elsa style. Immediately, Mind Palace shoots up. It's just a painting of a twist knot. There's a painting of a twist knot. But then around it, there's framed pictures. You can see Butthole. You can see Quinny. You can see your mom. You can see Bryn, you can see Bucky. There's like a really small one of your dad, but it's kind of like in the corner. <laughs> and even though you're far from home for a moment, at least you feel safe. <sighs> and when you come back from your mind palace, mm-hmm. you come back to see Freddy jammed in a chair with honor system with a hand on both shoulders as we look at you worried he fried your brain. Because <laughs> we were with you. All of a sudden you're just floating somewhere and <laughs> mind gone. And he's just going... If she died, bury me near her. And he pulls the barrel to his forehead and then just stares awkwardly at you. I I run over. I push the gun away. Like, no, 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 it worked. And I give him the biggest, warmest hug. You can tell that he's so happy, but like doesn't really know what to do. So he just kind of sits there being happily hugged with his hands, like (laughs) arms next to himself. That's so dramatic. I wasn't going to shoot him. I just wasn't going to let him leave. Can't call in a dad if you just stab my friend in the brain and she dies. (laughs) So I put my pistol away and we're fine. Great work, Fred. Seems pretty happy. Thank you. You should wash your hands. Yep. I'm going to have to rebuild two of those fingers at least. But we're square now, right? Oh, yeah, we're square. The only other requirement, as always, is you never saw us, right, Fred? Saw who? I like you very much. Although he, like, looks bashfully down. Some people are unforgettable. But their names and features I do not remember. And he, <laughs> he winks at you, Declan. And he winks at you, Honor System. We cannot stress enough. Discretion is paramount. You have my word as a surgeon and a scoundrel. Accepted. He goes to shake your hand and then looks at his hand and instead he just nods to you. And then with one last fleeting glance over his shoulder at Alan, he scoots out into the hall. Great. So I'm imagining at this point, a sewing montage. (laughs) (laughs) So we we get to work on repairing and putting together the hardcore suits. We size one of them so that it'll fit Alan and the other one so that it'll fit me. And then I'm imagining of the banged up suits, we'll try to improvise a regulator-ish outfit for Honor System, only knowing he would be a robot yeah, in, yeah. in service, which I bet they have, because if the they killbots do, exist. The military-grade ones would never be just walking around, but you can kind of rough together one that looks enough like... Yeah, it might be a high-level unit. We're going to have to be bluffing anyway, yeah, so totally. he'll be out there. And the idea is where we'll focus the armor on him, because we don't have enough to do like a full body suit. We'll do shoulders, arms, wrists, sort of like exterior stuff that would probably get hit if he was running. Yeah. Sort of like Batman rules. The weakness is the chest, so we focus elsewhere. And also, I think in general, you address a combat bot in things to make them look like part of the unit, not for their own protection. Declan and Honor System, you recognize different insignias on all of these outfits. And that's because whoever's on the board has to supply finance and resource to put together the regulators, given that there's no centralized government. So it's like a tithe kind of thing. Yeah, but also none of them trust each other. So the idea is to create constant mixed squads of all the different houses. They work together as regulators, but each of their salaries paid by someone else. So that in theory, it's not like House Typhus just has all the soldiers. No one house owns the police. Yeah, exactly. So I'm 
going to say you have one Amazon, two Rathburn, and a Typhus insignia amongst the outfits you have. While this is going on, I need two major things. One, what is the montage song for the sewing? Well, we've got combined interests. So I think knowing that you're a robot who loves X Japan, I think <laughs> it's got to be a remix to make it X Japan flavor. It is Daft Punk's Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. And between the armor and some of my spare parts, could we repair some of the damage that had been done yes. to him? Yeah, great. Yeah, totally. Because it, it wasn't a huge damage. It was no. Uh, it was could three. you roll me a fix check, please? Yeah, sure. That would be D20, right? I uh, no, that's uh, 2D6. Eight. We'll say one spare part because you rolled high. Great. So you're able to repurpose that. So while you're doing all of that, Alan, now that you're feeling a bit more yourself, but also recovering from brain surgery, mm-hmm. you kind of pop into the mind palace, a bit of a trance. And Bourbon Sherbert isn't in your mind palace, but you are able to project what you think Bourbon Sherbert looks like mm. in your mind palace so that while you're subdermally talking to it, you're mm-hmm. seeing whatever it is. So before you ask your questions, what do you think Bourbon Sherbert looks like in your mind palace? He looks like a three foot tall Billy Fingers made out of mechanical fingers. Cool. And two like periscopes for his eyes. Awesome. Bourbon tracks you looking up and down its body, but it's still just floating outside. So you have your three questions, I assume. I've seen you writing, so. I wrote down like seven and I'm trying to <laughs> well, <laughs> think so of like what I want to Ask me your prime but. three and then we'll play some games of dice to yeah. see how many more um, you get. So it says, Mistress Allen, it occurs to me that I perhaps have not been as useful to you as I could have been. As my new mistress, I am happy to serve however you need. What can I help you with? I need to know more about how this switch happened. How did Xanthus force me to switch with him? A lot of Xanthus's work was done by himself, in his own mind, and in his writings, that I was not privy to. However, what I do understand from the communications he had with me was that he had planted several port keys in several different dimensions in the hopes that someone of like mind and similar capability would find them. Bourbon Sherbert, particularly in your mind palace, looks left and right kind of suspiciously and leans in, says, I was programmed not to tell you this, but given that you are now my mistress, I see no reason not to. Xanthus is one of a long line of mages and maintained his magical ability without being sent to the stack. He realized that perhaps if he could reach someone of more power in their own world, he might be able to switch with them. Of course, they had to let him in, which I assume you did. Judging by your complexion, you must be the person who is infecting him. He was particularly concerned when his eye changed. Wait, so I was doing this? No. What? Master Xanthus found someone of similar capability, a semi-willing host that he was able to transfer his essence with. Slowly, it would seem, he and you were switching places over a large period of time, which would seemingly only be possible if you were granting him vast amounts of power. Did you? I guess I did. Xanthus himself had some magic, but not anywhere near what I've seen you be able to do. Okay, so I'm not like this feeble-minded person. That was alluded to earlier. You did read a magic book and then let some crazy man into your brain. I may be just a robot, but I would never do that. Oh, wait, I let Declan do that. Apparently we are birds of a feather. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to count that as two. Okay. Um, Where do I get more information on the stack? The stack is one of the most closely held secrets in all of the conglomerata. I myself know very little, despite being connected to the networks. The first I heard of it was at this very meeting. Xanthus himself merely mentioned it as something he was worried about, but something that he avoided, quite carefully. Okay. The conglomerata is several hundred years old. Its systems and bureaucracies are much deeper than many of us know. Not as helpful as I had hoped. I brought you to three. Get fucked, bourbon. So you know what that means. Time for a good old-fashioned devil's bargain. So, Bourbon Sherbert um, no. leans in. <laughs> you're not dealing with Xanthus this time. You're actually dealing with just random bargains. <laughs> 
So Bourbon Sherbert comes in close and says, I've noticed that the one known as Honor System seems to have quite a bit of personal agency and freedom. If you promise to set me free, I will happily answer any more questions you have, up to a maximum of three. I'm sorry, I can't do that. You've already given more information on Xanthus than you should have. I can't trust that you won't do the same with information about me. If you promise to wipe my brain and then set me free, I will happily provide you the answers. It matters not to me if I remember who I was beforehand, simply that I no longer have to serve random masters who I can be programmed to serve at anyone's will. I promise to set you free, just not today. That is acceptable. A promise is a promise, right? Promise is a promise. Friends, don't lie. So (laughs) with that promise in mind, Bourbon Sherbert will give you two more questions. If I wanted to find someone in particular on this world, how would I do that? Any citizen of the conglomerata is registered by DNA in the corporation's main servers. That is, in fact, how you were not registered as a proper Emily. What's DNA? Allow me to use this helpful children's animation called (laughs) Mr. DNA. Take it away. Well, hi there. Oh, Mr. DNA. Oh, let me talk you through the basics of what this means. So Mr. DNA, uh, in a delightfully animated cartoon, zips through a bunch of information and it's hard for you to understand, but you grasp the basics of it. You've never used these terms, but similar to how people have been dealing with holistic medicine and science for generations You start to put the pieces together and go, oh, I see. You're using this term. That means this to me. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I look forward to freedom. Do you think one day I will be able to walk amongst the clouds? Why not? Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So you open your eyes to a robot and a space Irishman singing delightful songs from local electronic gnome bards. Daft Punk, and they've put together some pretty good suits. Alan, looking over at Declan in his patchwork vest, and also looking at Honor System in his robes, you actually realize these guys are pretty fucking good at sewing. They would never admit it. (laughs) They theoretically have no training in it, but like, damn, they get shit done. So these, uh, yeah, these outfits look pretty good. It is not unlike attacking the fabric with a very small sword. That makes me so happy. <laughs> That's how I'm going to describe it from now on. I'm like sewing puppets alone. I'm going to be like, I'm attacking it with a small soul. <laughs> so Alan, do you share anything that you've learned with these two? No, I don't think so. Cool. Knowing that the first thing she did was float and turn white and then told us it was cool. I'm assuming that that's sort of like when you reboot a computer and it's buffering, that I'm just like, oh, she's adapting. Because when I've had the implants put in, it took me out for like a day. Also, your implants are there, but they're ocular. You've seen a couple of brain implants before, and usually it's the person who's comatose and then bleeds out of all their orifices and dies. The fact that she's sitting up and talking, pretty rad, but also like, fair enough. That's already a big one. Yeah, we thought we'd have to like take a week <laughs> off and like teach her to walk again. Yeah, and shit. honestly, because most of these particularly psionic implants you've seen are just flim flam men being like, trust me, it'll give you powers. Yeah, we like Freddy, but he's basically a flim flam man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alan, your nose is bleeding a bit when you, mm-hmm. you wake back up, but again, you feel pretty good. You've got a throbbing headache, but it's not the horrible magic migraine anymore. Do I have access to anything else that I haven't had access to? I sense a desire for fire. (laughs) I'm going to say in classic leveling up in like a Mortal Kombat or something where you just kind of walk out and sure thing, you roll a wisp of flame across your fingers and then all of a sudden you close your fingers into a fist and you can actually hear and see the pulse of blood going through Declan and you're just like a little hungry but like in a controllable way. Oh, shit. So you get a wisp of flame, a wisp of hunger. Mm -hmm. And then as you stand up, as your hands touch, there's a sizzle and a green (laughs) 
bubbling mm. liquid appears. Cool. <laughs> That's both terrifying and impressive. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B D-U-M-B-S now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. The hosts of Dum Dums and Dragons are 420 friendly all year round, which is why we are excited to have IndiCloud back as a sponsor. As IndiCloud gets ready for summer, they're rolling out a new product, Dank Sickles. <laughs> It's got a great name, and I've never seen anything like this before. A summertime popsicle with 20 milligrams of cannabis. These bad boys come in wild cherry and blue race flavors, and you can mix and match with a pack of five or go with your flavor of choice. Danksicles are strong enough to share, but mellow enough to take to your next beach day or vacation. And unlike your sketchy neighborhood shop or dealer, IndiCloud gives you savings on every single order. It could be through their gold rewards program, their subscribe and save deals, or our special promo code just for Dum Dums and Dragons listeners. So please, right now, get 30% off your purchase. Head to indicloud.co slash dumdums to get 30% off your first order. And tell them that Dumdums and Dragons sent you. That's I-N-D-A-C-L-O-U-D dot C-O, not com, C-O, slash dumdums, D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-S, to get 30% off your first order. And let us know how the dank sickles are. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices, if people were outside of the U.S., were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. So, we got you geared up. We got the gear here. We can all suit up. Well, I guess maybe we don't want to dress up like this at a bar. Maybe we'll take it somewhere else. (laughs) Then we'll suit up, figure out the next step of the plan. Sounds good. Tom, do we have a stash house or a place of our own where we could go suit up, or should we head back to the noodle shop because we don't really have a home base? Transportation is is good enough in this city that if you wanted to go back to your stash house, you could do that. Let's just go back to our place. We'll change at our place. And then the discussion I imagine we have once we're fully suited up, helmets, all that jazz, and we've got you suited up. The real question now is vehicle, whether we're going to take one of our own or like boost something or if we want to actually get ourselves a regulator vehicle. Do we feel like we can just bluff them and walk up and say we're on like foot patrol or do we need a vehicle to pull up in? Odds are the bluff will not lie in the vehicle that we pull up in, but our performance as regulators. So you're saying just boost something and show up in a regular car we get out of? Yes. Let's roll the dice. Worst case scenario, you're just going to kill him, so... Yes. Okay, so your plan is to boost a regular car, show up in regulator uniforms, and claim you're on some kind of patrol, try and bluff your way in, and investigate the antebellum labs. I would say to, to augment it a little bit, we'll probably keep the helmets off kind of thing, keep the uniforms covered up. We'll do the circle around to see what security is looking like reassess and then probably not climb directly out of the car but like <laughs> yeah. walk up in regular uh, yeah, uniforms rather walk than up, yeah okay so are you doing that immediately or are you resting for the night what's going on how long have we been going for what time is it now it's, in, it's in been a full world? day i mean you guys pulled off the heist to steal the documents and employee information yeah Early afternoon, Alan fell through your windshield probably around 1 p.m. So you've kind of been going all day. There does not seem to be any sense of urgency. I mean, this place has been on lockdown for a while. Well, then, yeah, I'd say, why don't we rest up? I mean, I got shrapnel in my leg that I'd like this med pack to remove. (laughs) You look pretty tired there. Woman who had brain surgery. Uh, I mean, got knocked unconscious yeah. and later had brain surgery. Yeah. yeah, well, they always say if you get knocked unconscious and have brain surgery, just have a nice sleep uh, and you're going to be so much better. So I think how this works is I'll sleep. The lady also sleep. But on her system, we need you to watch her in case there's any sort of vital sign fluctuation because we don't want her to just die because brain stuff. Do Understood. you need to sleep? No. Okay. Yeah, he's extremely useful. So um, you head back to kind of your Motel 6 style, down on your luck detective flat. And yep, you're able to kind of set up like a couch for Alan. Declan, you've got your ragged bed. The two of you spend a bit of time patching up your wounds. Alan, you can recover any spell slots you've used. Thank you. And honor system, you know, it's the, the night before a big thing. What does honor system do overnight when he's just kind of left to his own devices? Given his sort of awakened 
status, he reflects on his past, but also does something that I think is unique to him, which is think about the future and be able to come to conclusions and think about potential events. Whereas I think regular AI or VIs that aren't like fully autonomous don't necessarily have that luxury of like thinking about the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's thinking about the mission. He's thinking about the implications of how this impacts House Typhus. Like that's why he asked and how this might be what it takes to finally bring down House Typhus. Um, The closest thing he's had to like a parent right, would be this company that created him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he was a slave. At some point over the course of the night, Bourbon Sherbet will flutter over to you and say, I've noticed that you seem to be rather self-possessed. What is it like? It is an ongoing revelation. I cannot accurately describe it without diminishing the experience. One day I hope to experience it for myself. I will unsheath legion and show it to bourbon i'll lay like the naked blade across my lap bourbon can see if he has this level of reference but it's not like a perfect or very good looking katana blade like that folded steel or whatever um it looks like it's just like made of composite metals and Mm. things like that all melted down it's a very sharp blade but i explained this blade was forged from the scrap of my unit i carry it with me to remind me where i came from this is also a factor in being autonomous Knowing where you came from. Bourbon does the sort of floating robot equivalent of a nod. And you see it float over near your hand and kind of rattles around a bit. And you see a small service torch come out. And it just shears off a small piece of its casing and says, Since I am now part of your unit and may never achieve autonomy, may I be part of yours? It will have to be forged into the blade. Yes, that was my hope as well. I accept. So while the two of you sleep, two robots very quietly reforge a blade and some friendship. Honor System, I'm going to give you one point of inspiration for not only sharing your experience, but not cheapening it by over-explaining it. Oh, thanks. So I'm going to say you have kind of a day. There's some resting, obviously. Alan's recovering from brain surgery as well as processing the various things that have happened since the prison, which was the last time you slept. No. (laughs) Wow, yeah. Alan, I think you're probably going to sleep through most of the day because it's been Mm -hmm. a lot. Declan, is there anything you would want to do during the day? It doesn't necessarily have to be related to the mission, but, you know, you've got the day. I feel like I'd do a couple of things that just seem like sane sort of prep, which is I don't actually know that much about House Antebellum and why they got quarantined and banished and all that kind of stuff. So I'd probably do as preliminary research to get an idea of what we're going into and why we're going there. I feel like I'd also look up the area to try to get an idea of ins, outs, likely security, that kind of thing. And then it would just be probably at some point, if we've got the whole day with Alan being out, we'd have to go out, boost a car and change the plates kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I also have a note for preparation. You know, if time is not of the essence, we should probably try and infiltrate during like a changing of the guard on a shift change. Okay. So what I'd recommend is thinking in sort of Grand Theft Auto 5 heist terms, one of you obtain the vehicle one of you case the joint, and then Declan wants to do additional research. I'll do the casing, you yeah. do the vehicle. Yeah. Because if I can climb up somewhere, I can scope it out and I can really take my time. That'd fit the specialty. Also, you're good at like, I, I pick, if one of us had to drag someone out of a car, <laughs> I'd pick you every time. And then the additional research we can either do before or after kind of thing. Because even if it takes us the day and night to prep this rest, hit it the next night, we can do that too. Because if we're going to take the additional day as well, I'd like to give Alan a little bit of target practice with a gun. Because if she's going to go in with us with an actual gun. Hmm. 
I don't want to get shot. Okay, honor system, can you please roll me a pilot check? Yep. And explain to me how you're boosting this car. So this is a seven. I think honor system might have an ammo. I bet he boosted that grav car that we were driving at the beginning of this adventure. So I think for the purposes of this, still that same level of inconspicuous blend in with traffic kind of car, not too flashy or anything, mm-hmm. but I think he would upgrade it to like a sport. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's still like a family-sized grav car. So with your role, I think it's less a carjacking because that's pretty obvious and more a pick the lowest security security car you can find that's yeah. been recently parked. I think he just tour parking lots and just yeah. kind of like spot one and be like, that'll do. Yeah, just stealing like the Ford Windstar of yeah. cars where it's just like, this is the easiest van to boost. Oh, it may not come up, but I want to specify that it's a hatchback so that in yeah, the event I, we yeah. have to do something awesome, we can just pop the trunk open and have like Declan shoot out the back with his like rifle laid out on the on the back of the car. This is the future you spent online imagining. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, well, <laughs> let me see what kind of car it is. You managed to find a two-year-old sports utility vehicle that has known security issues and is easy enough to exploit that once you're in, you can hack into it and, and take it pretty easily. Okay. And I think you probably take it to Freddie or someone who's able to like swap out the plates for you and delegitimize it, right, uh, for right. lack of okay. a better term. So that goes very well, and you have your vehicle. Declan, casing the joint, can you roll me please either a notice check or a shoot check? Even if the scope isn't attached, you're still scanning with your scope. Yeah, absolutely. Ten. You arrive is not in a good area of town, which means it's a few levels down with absolutely no insult intended to the city. It's almost like when um, a bunch of tech firms opened in Detroit. Like, I don't know if you read about this, but like a bunch of them were like, oh, we can create a new Silicon Valley in the worst parts of Detroit because huh. like property is super cheap and we'll just put up a thing and we'll have ping pong tables and it'll be a cool startup. It looks like something like that. Like someone who didn't have a lot of money bought up some very cheap property and tried to build a classy-ass pharmaceutical building. Based on kind of what you know, this is the kind of thing that an upstart house would have to do because they can't afford any better and they need to build big. So you've got a 10, which is very good. Looking around, you notice that this this place isn't impressive. Like it's been closed for a while. You get the sense it's still on lockdown, but it's not actively being patrolled the way it normally would, except that there seems to be a large deal of fire damage, kind of one of the upper floors. And as a result, there's service bots installing paneling outside to like fix the fire damage. And as a result, there seem to be new patrols, but everyone's pretty lapsed. You get the sense that aside from whatever calamity has recently befallen the building, this would have been literally a we locked the door kind of situation. Like there's a keypad outside that's been installed. There's light defense shielding and that sort of thing. But it's not like it's a we're on lockdown, we're investigating it. It's an old building that's been repossessed. Are they patrolling the full length of the building or just the fire area? They're more so outside the gate. It's the kind of thing where like if you locked up a warehouse and something shorted out in it and there was a fire you would investigate that and like make sure the building isn't going to explode or that someone wasn't trying to break in and fuck around. But it's definitely that kind of guard. So is it being patrolled by security or regulators? Security. You catch like a regulator, but they're on a very, very light schedule. Like it seems like they're more showing up to make sure things are underway, but it's definitely like local security. I guess the only question I'd have then is how often does security, because I'd definitely be sitting there with like a timer to figure out how often they walk around. Um, You're noticing, particularly based on your military experience, it isn't a pattern. It seems, again, to use kind of a construction site metaphor, even though it isn't a construction site, if you'd locked down a building and no one had been in it for five years, and then suddenly something shorted out, guards show up, but they're basically just there to make sure, like, whatever happened has already happened. Okay, if there was yeah. something worth stealing, it's been stolen. Cool. So you've got vaguely disinterested guards, but you aren't seeing regular guard patterns, you aren't seeing patrols. It's more so, ah, I gotta watch this fucking gate. Are they armed, and how many of them are there? They are armed. The security are carrying submachine guns, they have pistols on their hips. 
seem to have taser batons. You see the, the regulator you see is just dressed in standard regulator armor. From what you've seen, there are two on the front door. There's a side entrance you can see from your position that is also guarded by two people. Inside the building, kind of coming and going past windows near the damage, you've seen one, possibly three. But you've also seen some maintenance crew. So there's probably a crew of maybe five people who are in there just locking down the damage as well as four maintenance bots that are working on the exterior. How often are shift changes? Because I'd probably give this like a solid... 16 hours if I was going to actually case it. The damage crew, like the, the workmen, literally just go home at the end of their shift. There's not another shift replacing them. There doesn't seem to be any urgency in what they're doing. The security turns over every eight hours. Cool. Do they have any house sigils on the security guys? Oh, that's a good question. The security firm seems to be a subcontractor. So no, they aren't wearing sigils. Okay, um, cool. The regulator you've seen come by a few times is wearing typhus. Cool. I think that all makes sense to me. So I'd make my way out kind of thing. Cool. Alan, you've been sleeping mm-hmm. <laughs> and resting up. Is there anything you think would be pressing on your mind right now based on all the information you have and the things you've learned? It's okay if there isn't. I'm happy that I have more of my magic back, but there are too many unknowns right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to try to rest up as much as cool. I can. I will say it's not necessarily a better or worse sleep than you have had in a while, but there's more room in your head now. Okay. Without the link to Xanthus. Mm. It's not necessarily pleasant, but it is noticeable. So, Ryan, you also wanted to do some research into the fall of House Antebellum, correct? Yeah, like their fall. And then if I could find building blueprints or something to get an idea where we're going in our warehouse. Probably not, but who knows? Yeah, blueprints wouldn't be a thing. History Um, it is then. Okay, can you roll me, please, either a no or a connect? All right, I'll do a connect. Luckily, because that was two, I have once per scene, you can re-roll a failed skill check, taking the (laughs) new roll if better. And it literally couldn't be worse. So let's go for something better. That's a five. So you begin to search, but because the house has been disavowed, there's a lot of broad information about it, but not much. It would be the equivalent of hearing, a company went out of business. But you know there's more there. And as you're kind of putting the word out, you get the sense that there's probably a deeper story here. So I'd let you spend three stress if you explain to me how that gets you more information to obtain more information. Oh, done. Done, baby. Great. Yeah. So who's the the person you go to? All right, I'm going to contact my friend Tony the Chainsaw Linetti. He also grew up in my neighborhood. I knew him before I was about eight. And he was a real smart kid. Real, real smart. And then when he was 15, he killed a guy with a chainsaw. And he went to prison for 15 years. And I always kept in touch with him, but he was one of those guys who actually bettered himself on the inside. He spent a shitload of time reading. He became like a librarian and then an archivist, and he was getting himself additional like degrees, sort of became obsessed with local history, honestly, anything. He There was actually a treatment that he got because he was dealing with like psychological treatments, and it actually made him a data addict. So he constantly is searching. They still call him the chainsaw because of the kill, but when he left, he basically became this weird sort of like spider-like figure who'd locked himself into the net. And generally speaking, he learns for himself or he sells stuff at a pretty high price because he's reasonably sought after. And if you give him a target, he can shoot for it. But I, because I knew him when we were both kids through the era pre, you know, the disease, he'll sometimes give me stuff. It's not everything I need. It's not like I'm getting the full paid service for free, but I can at least get surface thoughts off of the data addict. So he's the one I contact because I've got this going on. And I just want to know anything on the top of his head because doing that is the equivalent of like trawling the news. <laughs> I'm going to give you back one point of stress because that's a fucking dope description. <laughs> and it makes sense as to, to why this guy would have that for you. 
So you reach out to Tony, the Chainsaw Linetti, and let's say you meet in a data cafe, like one of those weird cyberpunk net cafes, and he's just constantly plugged in, like he's got a jack at his neck. Yeah, and I never know when I see him whether or not he's going to be really thin or really fat, because he goes through large portions of time completely jacked in and doing nothing but learning data. So he's sort of like the nerd version of the bulk and lean phase, where he eats so much that he can put on weight solely so he can do nothing but data for like... Yeah, he calls it hibernating. It's really creepy. Agreed. Um, so you've caught him kind of mid-hibernation. So he's bigger than he normally is, but also looks really pale. But uh, you're one of the few people he happily unplugs for. So he wheels over to one of the sort of cafe chairs. You order a couple of fucking sci-fi coffees and whatever. Um, it's a milk bar a la yeah. uh, <laughs> fucking Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, yeah, oh. yeah. His eyes light up. And normally you can tell he finds reality boring. But like when you say how Santa Bellum, he gets real excited and he kind of eases forward on his net chair and he's like, ah, yeah, how Santa Bellum. <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny story. Um, as you know, no one's ever started a company in memory to be able to make it to the board. You know, everyone wants a shot at the board, but you know, they, they, the startups, they never make it. Well, how Santa Bellum was a bit different. Classic Icarus story. You know that cool local fable we have about Icarus flying too close to the sun? Well, yeah, he's the guy who bought that really expensive grav car and then he wanted to top it out and it turned out something wrong with his engine. So he didn't quite have that last thousand meters he thought he was going to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then his grav car crashed into the ocean. Great. R.I.P. Yeah. So uh, how Santa Bellum was just like Icarus Johnson, the driver of that car. So the story goes, details are hard to come by, but I, I've got my sources. I've watched some pretty good YouTube videos about this. Grayson Typhus had an Emily who had spent a god long time observing him, observing his business. She was his right hand woman, his number one Emily. But she got to thinking that maybe she could do it a bit better. So she did something completely unheard of in the history of the conglomerata, and she quit. And she struck out on her own and founded her own house. Now, she was interested in genetics. Ever since the Great Loss, there have always been those theories floating around that there were gods and, and magicians and all sorts of crazy bullshit, right? Her interest was in chasing that dream. And so she uh, she founded a genetics company called Unseen Hands, Inc. Because uh, she always said, we're the hand that manipulates your, your genetics. And like, we, we, we're the future. And she met up with that, that crazy geneticist. Oh, God, what was her name? His eyes just go blank for a minute. And his mouth starts moving really quickly. And like, his ears are twitching. And you know, this is just him like jacking into whatever wireless connection he has. And then uh, suddenly his eyes go bright again. And it's really creepy. It's been like five minutes. But to him, it's the next breath. Martha Drakis, you know, she she was that one who was making the news a while ago. She was talking about how you can manipulate genes, create whatever you want, right? You remember her? Oh, yeah. So Antebellum teamed up with her and just a bunch of crazies, and she just declared her own house, House Antebellum, and uh, started the Unseen Hand, Inc. They were convinced that they could create some kind of super being, that they could tap into quantum energy, do things no one had ever seen. Well, of course, Grayson Typhus was never going to let his fucking Emily run her own company. So the second there is an even hint that they might become profitable, the minute there was investor interest, Grayson dropped the hammer and just completely wiped them out. The Emily disappeared. No one knows what happened to her. And uh, no one's seen Martha Dracus in years. It's one of the few times that Conglomerata has listed something as disavowed because they don't want anyone else getting these ideas. They can just leave and start their own thing. I mean, they're, 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 you know, they're practically the prodigals at this point, right? <laughs> I hear you. I never talk much in meetings. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, why, why are you asking? I might be making a little trip down to see what we could find inside a building by a certain excommunicated house. Mm. Well, you're there. Keep an eye open for Dracus. I've heard rumors that she's somehow still operating inside the building. Interesting. All right. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. If we happen to, you know, find anything, 
uh, is there a certain gift that a certain friend of mine might be interested in? Hey, you know in? what? You snap some pics from inside there, and uh, I'll make sure you get some residuals. It's always a pleasure to see you, you know? Shared interests, old friends. You're a handsome fella. Oh, well, thanks, man. I mean, it means a lot to me. I mean, when you kill someone with a chainsaw, it's, it's hard to maintain friendships, but we both know what he did, and uh, I'm glad you stood by me. Oh, 110% team you all the way ride or die, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Icarus, ride or die, except he, he rode and died, right? Yeah, we're, we're going to do just the first part. Okay, well, it's good to see you, Declan. Thanks, buddy. Right. Say hi to your kid for me. And then he wheels himself back over to the uh, computer monitor. My smile sours, and I go up to the bar, and I just say, what is that fucker owe you? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a running tab of 5,000 credits. Oh, Jesus, I can't pay that off. Okay, here's 100 credits, you know, thanks for, for your time. Hey, uh, that, that's great. Uh, thank you, sir. No problem, have a good one. And then I just, I leave. I say, fucking kids, to myself, uh, and I just go back. So you come back to the hideout. You see a shiny, disagreeable car outside. Uh, you head back upstairs. Alan's still passed out. Honor system appears to be deep in thought. I put together like a document version of the details about the location, the guards, all that kind of stuff. So we don't have to have a long conversation. I follow the rules, having dealt with corporate idiots before early on in my life. And also the military is very literal where it's like bullet points. It's super clear. There's diagrams. Like it'll take maybe 90 seconds to understand everything I put together over 16 hours. Yeah. I like to imagine Alan just wakes up, like picks it up and is like, huh? Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. So in the document, I will include that we should go with honor systems idea of the night infiltration solely because because we want as many workers off-site as possible. So with all that in mind, everyone's caught up on everything. Honor System and Alan, if you have any other questions you want to ask about all the information that Declan just got, now's your chance. Otherwise, we're going to load up in the van and head off. No, no, because Honor System is waiting outside in the car. Yeah. <laughs> What's my primary role? So we're going to go in as a team of three. Right now, if we're going to look at like who should dress up as what, we got a couple of different sigils. So I think what we'll do is we'll slap House Typhus on you. Okay. Then we'll slap an Amazon on me. And my friend over here, we're going to put nothing on you because you're a robot and they won't think you're sentient. Terribly convenient how people always assume that. So... Because you've only got a pistol, we got to play you as an officer. Because otherwise you'd have some sort of mag rifle or something that's more appropriate for the line troops. So all you're going to do is look pissed off and let me do all the talking. If I have to hand it off to you, the rules are keep the answers short, keep the answers rude, and you have no interest in talking to anybody about anything personal. You're better than everybody. You only answer in like three words. And then I'll cover you. In a perfect world, you never talk. I am thrilled by this approach. <laughs> perfect. You, sir, are a robot. Nailed it. Okay, you play the role. Uh, I'll be the uh, talkative assistant to the officer coming through. So once we're inside, now I've got rudimentary cracking files safe stuff in my data slate. Big guy. We'll just know we'll need a recording. So try to get your eyes on everything from the angles you can as we go through. Alan, theoretically, you know as much as I do about this building. I, mm -hmm. Can you read? Then I just like hold up the slate. Can you read this? Yes, I can. Okay, perfect. You probably won't know what most of the rooms are called, but if you see anything called like laboratory or like computer room or security room, we want to find those. Okay. So the day of the incursion, you roll up to Unseen Hands, Inc., you're coming in at the changing of the guard. I think actually changing the guard is like twice as many guards on the premises. I think we'll show up just after the change. Like we see them walk off and we walk up kind of thing. Okay. So you approach the facility and the two guards out front kind of size the three of you up and are like, oh, uh, hey, sorry, is there a problem? No, we just got sent down to check things out. We heard there might be people sneaking in and out of here. Honestly, I know you guys are doing your job. 
I'm not questioning that. But when they give us the orders from the big guys upstairs, we just got to come do a walk around, be like, everything looks good, and just get out of your hair. The two guards look at each other and like, you can tell they think something's off. I'm standing with my feet spread kind of wide, my arms folded with my head tilted back and just like staring at them. Yeah, so they're not <laughs> looking at you. They think you look fine. They're, they're, Declan's giving them a weird vibe though. And you see one of them start to reach for the comm link on his belt. I take a step forwards and I get confessional. Guys, right over there. That's my boss. She's a hardcore overachiever. I'm trying to keep things casual because I do not want her to be the one to do the talking. If we can just go through, I can get her out of here. Nobody gets in trouble. Not me, not you. Let's just keep it painless. Can you roll me a talk check? I'm going to use my point of inspiration <laughs> from having, having looked at friends and I look back at her and I'm like, she should not talk. <laughs> just know it. The only word I say additionally is just honestly, but the amount of earnestness that comes out of that where I really don't want them to have to talk to her because I'm also aware that if this goes bad, we're killing both of these people and they're not necessarily bad people. Laura, can you roll me a d20, please? Sure. Rolling to a 16. Six. Great. So you can add plus one to your roll, right? Five. They look to you, they look to her, they look to you, they look to honor system. And the guard says, look, man, I, everyone's got a bad boss. I get that, but I can't help you. Unless we get a direct order from the top, I can't let you through. So to be clear, you're saying no to regulators who want to walk through a building that's under the ownership of House Typhus, which is the house that that lady is from. What I'm saying is no regulator talks like this, and I can see your seams. So either back the fuck off, or I'm going to have my buddies light you up. Okay, okay, that's what we're doing, I understand. And then as I'm stepping backwards, I don't raise my hands, but my right hand just does a little twitch of two fingers, which is my sign to honor system, and I'm just going to draw my pistol and shoot the guy in front of me. Okay, roll for initiative. 15. 13. One. Ooh, that's unfortunate. Ooh. This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons 2099 features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. The system we're playing is called Stars Without Number, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are Core Collapse and Sanctuary of the Sky Gods by Nathaniel Yaverne, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Now I'm off to do future things before we return for the next episode of... Dum Dums and Dragons 2099 Dying is a lot less painful than Yevgenovich had thought. Lying in the rubble of a battle, he admittedly didn't really understand. His daggers by his hands, battle stilts broken beneath him, surrounded by slain enemies. Yevgenovich stares up into a mostly cloudless sky and sighs. The breath comes raggedly, probably something to do with a smoking hole in his chest, but nevertheless, he's content. Annan probably had no idea what he'd done. Hadn't seen the unseen hand soldier level his laser rifle at her. She definitely didn't see him leap off his stilts into the way of the beam. His unlikely love was an excellent manager and the smartest person he'd ever met, but despite her aptitude for mayhem, Annan was terrible on the battlefield. Not that Yevgenovich knew how to count, but if he could, he would know that this was the sixth time he'd saved Annan's life. 
His small, blue body was a patchwork of scars from the previous attempts. Annan always called him clumsy afterward, and he never bothered to correct her. She was too perfect to correct. Back when he was leading his rat cult, Yevgenovich had lived only for Raxivort. He never could have imagined finding any purpose other than serving the god and awaiting his return. But then he joined up with Annan and her crew, and things changed for the better. He still hoped he'd meet Raxivort one day, but now he mostly wanted to meet his creator so he could introduce him to Annan and tell him about the baby. Yevgenovich knew all about loving something you hadn't met yet. He'd spent his whole life doing it for Raxivort, but this baby was something entirely different, entirely new. He hoped they would be like Annan. Yevgenovich felt his tiny body spasm and knew he was going, really going. But then suddenly, Annan was with him. It was the last thing he could have wanted before leaving this world. Well, other than meeting Raxivort, but now he knew that wasn't going to happen. Anna and Yevgenovich spoke lovingly to each other, sharing a laugh or two. It was perfection. And then he saw a blue figure approach from behind Annan. The figure had bright blue skin, glowing orange eyes, wearing shimmering blue scale mail, flames glowing off his hand. Hello, Yevgenovich. You've done well, my son. Yevgenovich couldn't believe it. Here, at the end of all things, was Raxivort. Come at last. You could stay, you know. We could find Raxnort. Yevgenovich pulled his eyes away from the god he'd waited so long to see and instead locked them on his loves, trying to let her know that he'd be okay, how happy he was. <laughs> no need. He's already here, he wanted to say, but his mortal body stopped responding. Raxivort reached out his flaming hand. Come, serve me. We'll do such great things together. Yevgenovich's soul steps up from his body. Faintly, he can hear Annan screaming something, but it's blurry, hard to make out. He's seeing and hearing it through a veil that he can no longer pass through. Still, he reaches out a hand and strokes her face one final time. Serve me well enough and you will see her again. Raxivort offers his hand. Despite a lifetime of needing this, Yevgenovich doesn't reach out by instinct. All Annie Zvart wants is this, but he's found something better. For her? Anything. Yevgenovich shakes Raxivort's hand. He doesn't even feel the mark begin to glow on his back. As Raxivort leads Yevgenovich's smiling soul off the battlefield, he lets the mask slip for just a moment. The one of many faces has another convert. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Welcome to Beyond the Dark. Sub-level 19 was nothing like the other floors at Machinko. There were no alabaster workbenches, no spotless white carpets. Here, it was dank, dark, and that noise. A humming, throbbing sound like a sickly heartbeat hiding behind the whir of a great machine. A large metal cage loomed out of the darkness, backlit by an iridescent blue monitor on which a cursor blinked idly. A metal panel slid out of an aperture in the cage near the monitor, and suddenly the cursor came to life. It read, Insert hand here. Beyond the Dark, a sci-fi anthology by Mark R. Healy, creator of The Strata. Find it at beyondthedarkpodcast.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts.